0: Welcome to kathleenwitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now here's Kathleen. This is where this lesson came about. I never just like read, well, read a book and decide, this is what I'm gonna teach on, or talk to someone and say, okay, I've decided to teach on this. I'm not able to do that. You know, everyone is different the way that they present the Word of God, and for me, it's spending time with God, spending time with God, spending time with God. And then I'll hit this momentum where he's saying things to me um, about me and about us and about his people. And then it'll interweave itself with the word. And suddenly there's revelation that, again, is not here for us to feel more intelligent or more religious. Who needs more of that? but for us to have our lives be changed. And so I am absolutely certain that the Word is going to go forth and do what it always does, and that is to not return void without doing those things which God intended it for, for it to do in your life right here, right now, at this moment. So, again, and those of you that know me, a lot of times when I don't really know what um, God is saying and I feel things stirring in my heart, um, I will... Uh, write poems. And what kept happening was just thinking about time. What are you going to do for the next 40 years? What are you going to do for the next 40 years? And I thought, gosh, you know what? Time just seems to be speeding up anyway. And I've just started my day and then I realized it's at the end of the day, you know. And I thought, you know, one thing is I can't say what I'm going to do for the next 40 years, but I will say this. I want to live a life well spent, you know, I, I would love to go to heaven and have God say, you spent your life very well. Because we're all given, you know, just 24 hours. That's the equal or the equality of man, is we're given the same amount of time. And I want to spend that time in a way that I can say, this was a life well spent. So I wanted to read to you this poem that I wrote, um, partially in the hot tub and partially... At the kitchen table, impartially, or almost all, on narcotics, but that doesn't matter because that's just part of what's going on with my back, and that's not a very religious thing to say, but I'm not very religious, so it doesn't matter. A life well spent, let not a minute be wasted in worry or fear. For if troubles do come, more grace will appear. Let not an hour go by with an unthankful tongue, since declaring God's goodness keeps me joyful and young. Let not a day be spent following your soul. Instead, give the Holy Spirit all the control. Let not a fraction of time be given to shame or guilt or unforgiveness or judgment or blame. Not a percent of a moment to unbelief or dread, since for all of these burdens Jesus died in your stead. Second by second, through every season of the year, desire to follow Jesus into more freedom from fear. And as for sins and transgressions that you do and have done, repentance brings his power to heal as you turn from each one. Spend time in God's word, and Jesus will change you every part. If you ever feel judged or condemned, he whispers, Only I know your heart. Call on Him in difficult times and He will lift you from pain, placing you above circumstances in His kingdom domain. Don't live in regrets. Instead, believe Romans eight twenty eight and pray that God will work everything for good, even your very worst day. Live content in each moment and let peace reign in you as you continually trust God to take you up over and through. Stop striving to achieve your desires through your own strength and will, and instead delight yourself in the Lord, and even the impossible he'll fulfill. Daily to everyone, the gospel good news you need give, not necessarily with words, but by how you live. For God is not pleased by verboseness or time under a steeple, but whether you have loved and cared for his people. Let not a minute be wasted. May God's kingdom come. Believe him for a life well spent to the glory of his son. And as God gave me that poem and and expressed that it was for us, for his people, I started to ask, those are beautiful words, and I want that to apply to my life. And you may be listening this morning and thinking, those are beautiful words, and I want that to, to apply to my life. But how? How do we do that? And the Holy Spirit kept saying to me, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I kept hearing that over and over and over. You know, sometimes I'll just hear phrases over and over and over, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And I thought, we've all prayed that since we were little, but what would you say if I said, What is the kingdom of heaven? The Bible mentions the kingdom of heaven over and over and over and over. And then you pray repeatedly for it to come. And so, if I was a different faith or a different religion, or maybe I just didn't even know that much about Christianity, I think one of the first things I would ask you if I was reading the Bible for the first time is, well, what is the kingdom of heaven? And I think your first answer would be, uh, because it's so large and yet it's so simple, you know, I'm pretty simple, and I think Jesus is pretty simple. And I heard it said of Corey Timboom Boom that the reason she stayed on target all through her life and into her 80s and didn't go off on wild tangents and didn't get over in a ditch over here or a ditch over here in her theology or doctrine is because she didn't really have a theology or doctrine. She just went with the Bible. And so just keeping it simple and simply the kingdom of heaven is in the Word of God. And so, instead of me giving some kind of a seminary class, um, which would be really funny anyway, um, I want us to go to God's Word and see what it is. But I want to say beforehand that you know there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of Satan, there's evil, and there's kingdom of good. And there's just two. And we have a choice on this earth as to which to live in, and it is impossible to choose God's kingdom in the way that the Christian Bible reads through the way that we are, which is basically that we are born with a sin nature. I know people like to say, well, everybody's good, and most people have a good heart, etc., etc. And yes, we all have a piece of God in us, but I am surprised at the things I can think and do. Are you? I'm surprised at the things I can think and do. I mean, I am surprised. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even going to divulge because it's not stuff I did 10, 20, 30 years ago that I can say, oh, you know, here's my testimony. That's great when Christians come and go, here's my testimony, and here I am now, and I am perfect, and you can now esteem to be like I. And then my mother would say, like me. But anyway, that's a whole other story. <laughs> That does that's a different, different perfection. But, um, you know, we have a sin nature, and we need Jesus. We need the blood of Jesus Christ as it is, is carried throughout the Old Testament that there is need of a blood covenant as Adam and Eve sinned against God. And, and then the immediate result was the need for a blood covering and the sacrifice of animals and the skins being placed upon their nakedness. Isn't it interesting that we're the only creation, we're the only animal that that doesn't grow its own clothes? (laughs) Well, it's because dogs don't need salvation. (laughs) I mean, I know that sounds funny, but... (laughs) And don't leave class and go, we learned today that dogs do not need salvation. and It was very deep. And we're going to talk about it at lunch as a family. (laughs) Because we think our dog does. (laughs) But he sacrificed and showed that blood was needed to cover up their nakedness. And do I understand why God did it this way? No, I don't understand. I don't understand his ways or why he did it this way or why it was so bloody. I do like it that the first thing God did as a miracle in front of Adam and Eve, sort of kind of a miracle, I guess, but like his first big act in the Bible to his people was that he gave them clothes, I like that, you know? And it was leather. <laughs> <laughs> and people, you know, that are v- vegan don't like that. And I don't blame them because I, I don't like that either, but that is the way that God did it, and now I've just insulted all the vegetarians in the world. So hopefully we'll just go with it. Um, anyway, we need Jesus I need Jesus, you need Jesus. And he is the person that literally translates us into the kingdom of dark, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, the, the Bible says. That when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and receive his blood sacrifice that he gave on the cross, taking all of our sins forever upon him, that things, those things that you have done, those things that you will do. And, and knowing that it, as he hung on that cross, he, he didn't just see the people at his feet, but he saw our faces. And he already knew what we were going to do, and yet he still received us and called us to him and love us. But we have to have Jesus to choose the kingdom of light because the kingdom of light, the kingdom of good, the kingdom of God which is what we're talking about and we will be talking about probably for the next 10 weeks or more. You can't just say, here I am. You're in need of a covering through Jesus Christ. And it is a choice. You know, I hear some people say, well, um, yeah, I see that there's good and I see that there's evil, but I'm not going to really make a choice. I'm just going to live my life. And... When you don't make a choice you, you default to a non choice, which is choosing your own way, which is exactly what the enemy did, exactly what Lucifer did, is he stood up as the most beautiful angel and said, I am, you know, as good as God and I choose my own way and that is how hell was created. And and I'm kind of going through this because I was thinking so much in the hot tub <laughs> We do have a hot tub, and it helps my back a lot. I don't want you all to think I go to, like, different hot tubs. <laughs> it's in my backyard. Sometimes my six-year-old is in there, but that is about as, where as it get? Um, we sometimes think, okay, there's heaven, and there is an actual place, heaven. And there's hell, and there is an actual place, hell. And I've even read books recently of persons that, I know persons that know them, I'll put it that way, so it kind of legitimizes it in my mind, that went to heaven and came back, and it's biblically um, completely uh, balanced with what I know of the word, and I really believe they did. And I think God is giving us more and more glimpses of that to say this is a real place, this is not something just imaginary, Your choice on this earth will be your choice in eternity. And as much as you might think it's strange with the animal sacrifices and the need of a sacrifice and all of that, you better put that down and get in the Word and see and let the Holy Spirit enlighten it for you so that you can see reality of the fact that you need a Savior and how much of a difference it will make in this life because you choose your kingdom in this life and then it affects eternity. But I've been asking and thinking, God, if you're so good... How could you have created Hell? I mean, if he he' the creator of everything, then he created Hell and he created heaven, and God answered so clearly, and, and he may have already answered you about this, and you may just go, "Oh, well yeah, I've already I knew that. I learned that in second grade. But there might be somebody here that didn't know this, and I believe with all of my heart, God said to me, "I didn't create Hell." Hell is simply the place that I am not. You see, sometimes we get so confused, like how could you ever send someone to hell? No, no, no. They didn't choose God through His Son, Jesus Christ, which is the way He said we have to do it. And you can argue with Him, but I'm not going to because He's God. And people have been arguing with Him for centuries and thousands of years and millenniums, but He is God. So the safest thing to do is to say, I better check this out. And even though it doesn't work within my human frame and the way that I think or my culture today, I better check this out. He didn't create hell. When Lucifer and a third of the angels rose up and said, we are equal to God in their pride, and they didn't even want to be in his kingdom, they wanted to create their own kingdom, they left all that was good all that was created that was good, and love, because God is love. And hell is an actual place, I believe, not created by God, that is simply the absence of God, so it would be the absence of all things good, all things of love, all things God created. And I have this kind of, you know, strange personal opinion and it could change because I'm a human and I change and I grow and I walk in all the light that I have at the time and I teach in all the light that I have at the time. So I can make mistakes and I really think that when we get to heaven anyway, besides being really surprised by who's there with us and and a lot of us really surprised that we're there <laughs> you know. Oh my gosh, I made it. I'm so excited. Grace was true, it was true. I really believe that I cannot remember what I was going to say. What was I talking about? I really can't remember. We're, all going to We're not all going to heaven.
1: <laughs> hmm.
0: <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I have no idea. But obviously, it wasn't important. If it does, it'll, it'll, it'll come up. I do know what it was. It is this. You know, if heaven is a place that's perfect, and we would want everyone we love to be there, of course, I couldn't be happy in heaven knowing someone I loved wasn't there. And so I believe that hell, being not a place created by God, but simply a place of God's absence, is a place, but a place of non-existence where you never were, and you're, uh, you're, uh, I believe, tortured in the sense that you know that the people that you loved don't know you. I mean, you just never were, and I'm sure that could be debated. I refuse to debate anybody, but just think about that. Could I be happy in heaven knowing that someone I love was in hell? Or would I have no remembrance of them whatsoever because their life was not spent well? It was not with Jesus. They never were. And I don't want to live a life like that. I want to live a life where I did a little something good here and maybe as much as um, God wants me to because God measures things differently than we do, you know? He just does. We're just supposed to do what we're called to do here and not more than that. And even in this poem, I'd love to give you all a copy of it if you want to, but the words came and it wasn't like, oh, that rhymes with that. I think I'll write that down. (laughs) You know, it was really meaningful in the sense of the Bible and I could probably give verse reference to everything that was said in that poem. A life well spent is a life where we choose here on this earth to live in the kingdom of God instead of the kingdom of darkness. And I'll tell you, the most miserable Christian is the one that has one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the kingdom of darkness. And yeah, they may go to heaven because they've received the Lord Jesus Christ, but they're playing both sides and they're miserable because they're in two kingdoms. And Jesus said that that individual cannot stand because he says that a kingdom, which would then be a person divided against itself, falls. And so, you won't be a stable person. (laughs) It's important to choose. And so, how do we choose the kingdom of God? That's what I want to talk about for ten weeks. What is the kingdom of God? When was it created? What is it? Where is it? When and who enters it? When does it begin? And why are we praying for it? I mean, those are all questions that are going to be answered. And... Gosh, this is a long introduction to a series, but it's important. I'm so excited about it. And again, I'm going to ask you to bring your Bibles because I don't want to tell you, um, here's my opinion, here's my opinion, here's my opinion, here's my opinion. You get enough of that on TV. You get enough of that from your spouse. My spouse, he, his, his facial inflection did not even change because he's been trained so well that he just kind of goes, actually he was chewing, but anyway. Um, We want the book to speak. When I went to my son's kindergarten, uh, I can read in the library every once in a while, and so here's his little class all sitting around, and I pick up this book and it has some little aardvark named DW and I'm about to read this little book to them and they're all excited and, you know, half of them have memorized the story. And so they're already saying the story with the book and trying to make comments about it. And and I couldn't get them to be quiet. And so finally I said, shh, just a minute. The book is going to speak. And the whole class was like, wow And they all were really quiet and I read the book. And I feel that's the way we need to be with the Word. And so I would like for you to open to Matthew 3. And it says, In those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, saying, A voice is calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for Him. John the Baptist starts talking about repent the kingdom of heaven is near and so what i want you to start hearing is as i read these um parts in the book as the book speaks for itself as the word speaks and we know that this word is is not just words on paper but it's alive and sharp and and sharper than any two-edged sword and able to cut through joint and marrow to get to the heart of a man as it speaks to you answer for yourself what is the kingdom of heaven What is it? Where is it? How did it start? Because I'm supposed to pray it down on this earth and I'm supposed to choose it on this earth and I will live there having chosen it for forever. So what is it? I can't think of anything more I'd rather spend time doing. And then as you do that, share with your family. This is the kingdom of heaven. I chose the book of Matthew because it mentions it over and over and over and over and I figure if God mentions something once, it's important, but if He repeats it over and over and over, it's really, 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 really important. And so let's let the book speak. Verse 13, chapter 3 of Matthew. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus replied and said, Let it be so now, it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went out of the water. And at the moment heaven was opened, he saw the Spirit of God descending, a voice from heaven saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. John is proclaiming over and over, The kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. And then when Jesus appears, all of a sudden it's the kingdom of heaven is Here. And so one answer for what is the kingdom of heaven? Who brought it? Jesus. When was it created? We'll have that answered for us too. But wouldn't you want to know? I mean, I want to know what I'm praying and I want to know what I'm living and I think that's why we can live a pretty shallow Christian life is because so many of us are culturally Christian. And so we cannot defend our faith much less live our faith. And if you can't live your faith, then you're someone that probably has a foot in two different kingdoms and you're miserable and you can't stand. And believe me, when you have something rough come against you, you better be able to stand. So thankful when I did have leukemia and I was given a short time to live that I knew what kingdom I was in. And I knew that I served a good God. And I knew that the kingdom always had to do with healing. And we'll see that too. I was not in one kingdom and another and shaking around. But I knew where I stood. And, and that doesn't make me a strong person. People kept saying, well, you're such a strong person. No, I just was all the way into one kingdom and not halfway in one and another. And so maybe that makes me a less strong person. <laughs> I don't know. It has nothing to do with me. And maybe attitudes, which, um, gosh, I love reading in the Amplify Bible, but I probably will refrain because it just gets really wordy. But... I encourage you that when you're reading this and and writing down these scriptures about the kingdom of God to go back and ask yourself, you know, what is the kingdom of God? Where is the kingdom of God? How do I attain to the kingdom of God? Because that should be the most important questions in our life. And when you go back to those scriptures, if you have an Amplified Bible, um, read it out of that. It, It does amplify the Greek and Hebrew words within the Bible. And you can get one from Walmart for like, Three or four dollars. This one, was, well, this one was seven dollars, but it's because it has a picture of a tree on it. <laughs> so you can get that one. But when we read the Beatitudes, which is supposed to be how we live on this earth and the way that we see things, and it's starting to say, I think Jesus' teaching, you have seen life a certain way, and now to live in the kingdom, lots of things that you've thought are going to be upside down. Kingdom living is upside down. If you live in the kingdom, then you don't live in the world anymore. The world says, the more you give, the less you have. And the kingdom of God says, the more you give, the more you have. And the world says, you know, fight for yourself, fight for your rights, um, defend yourself, defend your reputation. And the kingdom of God says, you are dead in Christ. You are to turn the other cheek. You are to not care about your reputation You're to live for me. Do you have a foot in both kingdoms? You do if you don't even know what your kingdom stands for. And so the Beatitudes start to tell us, and it says, Now he, Jesus, saw the crowds, and he went up on a mountainside and sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so right here I should go, wait a minute, The kingdom of heaven belongs to the poor in spirit and I should want to know what the poor in spirit, what does that mean? You know? And it can be those persons that say, I'm spiritually bankrupt without Jesus. I'm spiritually bankrupt within my own self. And I know that I am not going to make it unless I have a Lord and Savior. I'm poor in spirit. And they ask for God to come in them. They're not rich within themselves. They're not full of themselves or full of pride. They say, I need a Savior, and theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that is the first step we need to take, to be part of the kingdom. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And he goes on to talk about the meek, the merciful. And then he gets to the end and says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Because guess what? When you get all the way into the kingdom of heaven, I don't care what community you're in, you will be persecuted in some way. And it's really easy to live in the community that we live in and be a Christian, a cultural Christian, it's really easy. But to get all the way into the kingdom of heaven, even if it's an easy place to live, there's a little bit of persecution. You know, if I'm all the way into the kingdom of heaven and I'm in Iraq, there's going to be a lot of persecution. I may lose my life. If I'm in China, I may lose my life. If I'm in Afghanistan, I may lose my life. Many places on this earth, but here, and then I would attain the kingdom of heaven no matter what, but here in America, and especially this community, it's easy, although I've gotten a little bit of persecution that's nothing compared to others, but I've been called, you know, unbalanced or whatever. Um, that doesn't make you feel very good. You know, you're like, wow, you know. And you want to sort of defend yourself, and then you realize, I don't have a reputation. I'm all about Jesus. I mean, it's him that I represent, and it's not about me. Um, I've definitely had situations where, I was told by Christians after going and speaking um, in another city north of us that has a lot of hippies <laughs> and a large college <laughs> that um, I was too much about Jesus. I was too much about Christ. I needed to tone it down. And, and, and they didn't pay me or they forgot to pay me or something happened. But, um, and so you want to rise up and go, that is not nice. That is not fair. I'm going to get my money. And then God goes, turn the other cheek, you know. And then it's just so interesting how two or three weeks later I would have someone just send me a check and go, God just put this on my heart to send you this money and it covers all my gas, it covers my speaking fee times about ten. You know, God is so faithful. But getting all the way into the kingdom is so exciting because that's where you can stand and that's where you can really believe and have faith. And so many people are going, well, why is my faith not working? Well, maybe you have one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world maybe you have one foot in God's kingdom and one foot in the kingdom of darkness and if you're divided you'll fall no matter how much you work on your faith blessed are those who are persecuted for theirs is the kingdom of heaven I'm going to see where we are on this I'm going to go on and read down in, in uh, Matthew 5 verse 17 and this should be answering our questions about the kingdom of heaven and that's why it's exciting this is really good Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. This is Jesus talking. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He's saying, I I didn't come to destroy all the things that you used to believe. And said, I didn't come to say, you know, start over, start from scratch. You've been doing all the wrong things, and everything you believe is nonsense. Um, Jesus came to say, I fulfill all of that. Every part of the New Testament is like this stepping stone to this beautiful culmination of Christ. Everything pointing to Christ. Everything representing Christ. And then here we are in the age that the prophets of old would love to be where Jesus has come and the kingdom has come and thy will can be done. And we have the keys to the kingdom. There are so many things about the kingdom that we have that we don't even know about because we don't even know what the kingdom is. And there again, here I am, a Christian, supposed to be living in a kingdom, but I don't know what it is, you know. It would be like one of us going over to Europe and, and um, going over to Germany and saying, what country is this? And having them go, it's Germany. And then just saying, okay, well, what is Germany? And having them say, I don't know. I don't know where I am. I don't know really what it is. I was born here. I'm, you know, 50th generation German. Before that we were Vikings, but mother doesn't talk about that. We need to know who we are and what this is. Jesus has come to fulfill all that they have been doing and thinking and believing. And I tell you the truth, Jesus says, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Well, that's a pretty big deal. Because I guess then they're saying that there is a section in the kingdom of heaven where you can be called the least. And I don't want to do that. And so they're saying that's the people who say that you can break these laws and it doesn't really matter and things have changed and things are culturally different. And this is just kind of some fun parables and fiction for us to live our lives. Oh, wait, people are doing that. That's scary. Because that's saying that if they are saved, they'll be leased in the kingdom of heaven. Is that fair? Do we think that's fair? I'm not God. You're not God. This is what God is saying about the kingdom. I don't want to be leased. I want God to be excited about my life. I want Him to say, you've lived a life well spent. Not you've just spent your life. And exciting to me is that we serve a God where we can turn that around a day. We can be in our 80s and turn that around a day. God is a God of restoration. That's why that poem says that we can believe, Romans 8, that God will take even our worst day and work it for good to those that love God and are called according to His purpose. We can believe that, but we need to start where we are. And that's the thing is that living in the kingdom or, or Christian things... People put them so out in the future, like, oh, good message, but next Sunday I'll start because, I don't know, I'm just not there yet. Instead of saying, I start here right now where I am, and Lord, let that word sink into me and use all of my life, even the mistakes I've made, even my purposeful disobedience, use it for your good, use it for your kingdom, and get me all the way over into the kingdom of God as I learn about it so that I can live a life well spent. That's the decision you can make today, whether you're 14 or 44 or about to turn 40 um, and appreciate gifts and cards, or you are in your 70s. Whoever practices and teaches the commands will be great in the kingdom of heaven. Practices and teaches, practices and teaches. You know, does that mean that you're a teacher? No. It means you live it. What is the greatest commandment that God gives us? starts with an L. Love one another. Practicing and living love. You are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That means just right there, right where you are, in the workplace, in your family, right now, just loving. And love is always a sacrifice. I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. You know what makes me sad? This is what makes me sad. We have love inside of us that wants to take over, that wants to come out, that wants you to be smaller and your reputation to be smaller and your ways to be lesser and your will to be diminished as God grows bigger and you become more and more and more like Him and believe me, your joy level starts to lift, there's nothing more joyful than to realize the kingdom of hell has nothing in me. Remember Jesus saying that? He just said, you know what? There's no hold over there. The worst feeling is to go, yes, there's some things holding me over there. And God can abolish that today. But it comes in wanting it it comes in wanting to be all the way over in the kingdom of heaven and to have nothing over on the side of evil, to have nothing over on the side of of self-worth or pride or whatever it might be in your life. And what makes me really sad today is that I really think the nicest people that I've met, a lot of them don't even know salvation through Jesus Christ. And a lot of them have been totally turned off of the truth of Christianity, which is in the Word of God, and that has been survived through, I mean, centuries and centuries and thousands of years, and now... Archaeology is proving it to be true. Science is proving it to be true. Everything is pointing towards the truth of Christianity along with every religion having to say, yes, Jesus did walk on this earth. We can no longer say he wasn't a real person because he is written about in other religions. And then we have to question, well, why would all those apostles, disciples die for a lie? I mean, you get down to it and in every Sect and fashion and and way you can look at it and every way you can dissect it is what I was trying to say. It's truth. And yet, so many in this generation and in the upcoming generation don't buy it because we don't practice living in love. I really think that the kids that work on Whole Foods are really much nicer than most of the Christians I've met. And I'm serious. And they have piercings that we can't talk about. And I don't know what that has anything to do with anything other than just say, What are we doing? I think we're just not living in the kingdom. And we don't know what the kingdom is. And we're not teaching our kids to live in the kingdom. And when something happens to them at school, instead of saying, Honey, you know what? That hurts. I'm sorry that happened but you have received Jesus Christ and you are to take on no reputation. And when she says that again to you, I want you to turn the other cheek. Instead of saying that, we teach them the world's way, not all of us, but or we might have one foot in each and, and teach them to walk that way and then they wonder, why can't I stand? Why can't I have faith? Well, because the kingdom divided against itself will not stand Choose all the way the kingdom of God and and come with me over the next 10 weeks or so to, to look at his kingdom. When was it created? What is it? What is it made of? It's so surprising. And watch your life change and the change that will happen within your families and in your children because this is our choice on earth and we can live a kingdom life on this earth and then go to the kingdom of heaven forever. And I believe with all of my heart, God will say, you've lived a life well spent. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your love and your mercy and your forgiveness. I thank you that the Word of God washes us clean. I thank you that you have opened our ears and our hearts to what we might have been hearing but not heard, and what we might have been asking but not really known. And I just pray that you would just be real to us, speak to us. Let this moment not just be some touchy little time, but to really connect with you and say right here, right now, February 3, 2008, I want to be all the way in the kingdom of God. I want to live a life of love And I want to live a life well spent. Lord Jesus, help me to do that. In Jesus' name. Thank you.